of the sermon, we shall, we shall see in Psalm 103, stands 5, 6, and 7. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, God often allows trouble and trials to come into the life of his covenant children. In a word, God often allows a thorn in our life. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Job from Satan's assault. As a matter of fact, we all have thorns in our lives. Many people have faced the thorns and made them roses. Thorns can be in the form of sickness such as cancer, leukemia, heart attack, and stroke, and so on. We can have thorns that put us out of action, incapacitate us. Loss of a limb, foot, toes. We can have the thorns of blindness or deafness, the thorn of paralysis. Some thorns in life are easier to cope with than others. Thorns can bring about positive or negative changes in our lives. A thorn can be a habit such as drinking, gambling, or the use of drugs. It's a thorn to the addicted individual, but more of a thorn to the ones that that love him. This individual is not the same person he or she was before the habit to control. The alcoholic who leaves work and spends his wages in a bar becomes a thorn in the side of his family. The next drink takes the priority over everything else in that person's life. The individual addicted to gambling believes that the next hand of cars or the next race bag will be the big one. So he or she bats away all the hard-earned wages. This not only is the process that is stripping away the life of that individual, it is also more importantly affecting those around him. However, God had a purpose for the thorns we have in our lives, for each of the trials we endured. The life of Paul provides us with a great insight into dealing with the thorns of life. Therefore, I preach to you the word of God this afternoon under this theme, Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. You shall hear three things. At first place, what it is. Second place, why he has it. And third place, how he deals with it. Now the first point, what it is. Brothers and sisters, in verse 7 of our text, Paul told us that he was given a thorn in the flesh. Since Paul uses the word given, people assume that it's given from God. 
But notice that the thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. Messengers are always sent from a leader. Therefore, God did not send Paul this thorn. But but God allowed it, just like the case of Job. The Greek word for thorn here is scolops. It means splinter or stake. A splinter can be very bothersome. Sometimes it's hard to get it out. And every time you rub rub your hand against something, you will sharply remind it that it's there. Then if you don't remove it, it becomes infected and swells. And what was once a simple small splinter has now become a huge irritation. That is the way life is. Some small issues or circumstances starts small and eventually turn into a huge irritation. Troubled marriage starts small but can turn into a huge irritation, especially if you are with the wrong person. You find yourself stuck with this thorn. A little trouble at work seems harmless at first, but after a while, work becomes your greatest irritation. You find yourself stuck with a thorn. Your casual relationships start out harmless and simple until deep and serious feelings got involved, and now the relationship is exasperating. The debt was manageable until you got deeper in it, and now it has become irritating. It has almost taken over your life. You find yourself stuck with a thorn. Now, what kind of thorn did Apostle Paul have? This is a very difficult question to answer. A thorn in Paul's flesh is another mystery in the Bible. It is so intriguing that it has fascinated interpreters of the Bible from ancient times until today. As one Bible commentator says, this passage seems to have afforded an uncommonly favorable opportunity for everyone to become an interpreter of Bible. He is right. In biblical studies, there seems to be a law of inversion. The less evidence there is, the more the more interpretations there will be. Up to today, there are more than 200 different interpretations of this thorn in the flesh. The explanation can be grouped into three major categories. For some, past affliction was some kind of personal anxiety or spiritual torment. For others, the thorn in the flesh was the persecution that Paul experienced. Most scholars agree that it was a physical ailment or a type of mental illness. 
But as it stands, the thorn of Paul's experience is reality applied to a variety of trials faced in his life. No matter what type of thorn was in him, it was considered by him as weakness. It took away from his ability. It was simple little splinter in his flesh at the beginning, but it now become infected and swells. What was once this small splinter now has become a huge irritation. Paul was experiencing this kind of irritation. It was chafing him. It was under his skin. It was bothers him to no end. And no matter how much he picked at it, he could not get it out. Paul identifies it as a messenger of Satan. The purpose of a Satan's messenger was to torment Paul. Surely, Satan delighted in Paul's being tortured, battered. Nonetheless, it would never be Satan's intent to inflict a Christian with a disorder for the purpose of keeping the Christian faith to grow. Satan's design is to destroy our faith. The devil is driven by a desire to move you away from God. And he does so not only by inflicting thorns in you, but also by fostering your pursuit of self-adulations, egoism, and pride. Although Satan cannot really touch the work of grace upon the heart of the elect, he can torment the feelings, harass the mind, and stun and stupefy the judgment that all spiritual experience becomes, in our apprehension, a shipless mess in which our faith is in great danger. How we not, when thus tormented and stunned by the assault of Satan, jump the back, jump the back at times with horror at ourselves and said, Can I be a Christian? Is there any mark of grace in my soul? Can God ever dwell here? Could I have such a thought? temptations and failings if my body were indeed the temple of the Holy Spirit? This brings us an interesting question. If something bad is happening to us, if we become sick or have some kind of weakness, do we blame this on the devil? Is the devil responsible for all the sickness in the world? Paul seemed to think that his thorn was from Satan. Perhaps all thorns today are from Satan as well. Here is what we do know. When we become sick or something bad happens, or we are seized by temptations or pressured by the world, our faith tends to waver, doesn't it? Is that not the work of the devil? Does he not want us to, to fall away from the faith? 
But isn't it that God used the devil for his for his own good? Perhaps it's Satan who works the bad things in our life. But we cannot blame every illness or ailment on Satan. After all, we are flesh. We are physical. And what is physical perishes. It does not last forever. Our nature alone calls for times of sickness. But even if it's Satan trying to tear us away from God, it has its purpose. Yes, the thorn in Paul's flesh was a messenger of Satan. It was something from Satan with evil intent. Yet, yet it was also evident that God allows it to remain. This leads us to the second point. Why he has it. Brothers and sisters, we all know Paul is a very faithful servant of God. But why does the Lord allow Paul to be given such a painful thorn in the flesh? Actually, there are twofold contrasts of purpose for Paul to have a thorn in the flesh. One purpose is from God, and the other one is from Satan. According to the verse 7 of our text, it's, it's in order to keep Paul from being conceited because of those surpassingly great revelations he has received from the Lord. These surpassing revelation, revelations refer to the verses and passages in our today's reading. So first of all, this thorn came because of the abundance of revelations Paul had received. Until a person has an abundance of revelations similar to what Paul had, he is not going to have a thorn. Otherwise, that would disqualify this person right away. So here, obviously, the throne was to keep Paul humble. Therefore, God had to be the author of it. Because only God would want Paul to be humble. It would have been very easy for Paul to have pride of these revelations. It would also have been very easy for the church to exalt him too highly. So this is a way to make sure that Paul remained humble. Speaking of a humility is a necessary trait for God's people. In verses 5 to 6 of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's almighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Brothers and sisters, you know, sometimes it's a good thing to have outside help to keep us humble. We may not have the exact same experience as Paul has had, 
But we do have the same full revelation through the word of God concerning our salvation. If Apostle Paul needs to be reminded by a thorn to be humble, how much more do we need to be checked by the thorn in our flesh in order that we may be humble before our God? Brothers and sisters, on the other hand, we must know that the thorn in, a, in, in Paul's flesh is not given by God, but by Satan. His purpose is to torment Paul, to tear away Paul from God. This is Satan's same purpose when he put thorns in our flesh today. He wants us to have bitter feelings about God. He wants to tear away our faith from our God. We must always remember, God is in control. God has been preventing the serpent's purpose in the story of Joseph being sold to Egypt. In the word of Joseph to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Brothers and sisters, these things happened to Paul, not because he was out of God's will, but because he was in it. They happened to Paul in order to mold his character, to make him more holy and more like his master, Jesus Christ. We cannot be deceived, not by the world, not by our ideals. If you live a life for Christ, it isn't going to be a piece of cake. It's going to find very difficult times. We will experience trials and hardships just like every other person on the earth. But we cannot believe the misconception of the world that you deserve. The truth of the matter is, we are blessed to not get what we deserve. God's whole purpose for each, each of us is to make us holy in Christ. That is, he is going to keep us humble. We are not guaranteed suffering free in our life the moment we put on Christ through our faith and through the holy baptism. Life is always going to have its hardships. Paul understands this and knows all about suffering. And we too can learn from Paul. God's helping hands is never removed from the lives of his covenant people. Our thoughts are weighed with a divine purpose. When you review your thoughts from eternity's perspective, they will serve as instructors tutoring you to humility and dependence. And they will fuel your submission to Christ's omniscience when you are most reluctant to submit. This brings us to the last point, how he deals with it. 
brothers and sisters, how did Paul react to this thorn in the flesh? Did he cry out, "Praise the Lord!" Oh, hallelujah! Anyway, or oh, invited his friends to a celebration party? Not at all. It was far too threatening to his spiritual life. Then, what was Paul's response? In verse eight of the text, Paul says, "Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me." That is just what Paul did. He prays that God will take it away, and when nothing happens, he prays again, and then again. Three times he prays. Paul had an issue, and he talked to the Father about it. This is just like what our Lord Jesus Christ did in Gethsemane. Did God ignore Paul's and Jesus' request? God did not ignore their request, their request, but He chose not to respond with the answer Jesus and Paul were looking for. The answer our Heavenly Father gives to Jesus and Paul is no. You see, brothers and sisters, prayer and providence are a lot more complicated than God just indulging our every whim, or even removing our every sorrow. Often, just as for Paul, with this his his thorn and crest with the cup of suffering, God is not going to sit in heaven disregarding His own will. He may not take away our trials. And tribulation, tribulations, even though we have requested. Often God says to us, "You must travel on with the thorn in your flesh. The suffering cannot be removed right now, and maybe never this side of death." This very thing happens to all of us, covenant children of God. Many times we pray for a particular want and need. And our request seems to go unanswered. We must realize that God does not think like us. His thinking is on a superior level, which is to our benefit. God always grants us more than what we ask for, but He grants it on His own time schedule. The very fact that we go to God in prayer is an indication that we are seeking God's will. In our prayer, we are to pray with persistence. We are to pray in earnest. We are to pray, especially like our Lord Jesus Christ and Apostle Paul did. In our prayer, we have to remember that the thorn is in our life. Because God is working in our life, He is not trying to make us miserable, and He is not trying to tear us away from Him. But He wants to help us to get a little closer to Him. From verse nine, we see that although God did not give answer Paul wanted, but instead our Lord said to Paul, "My grace." Is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's a Christ's grace, isn't it, 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Himself said these words to Paul and to each one of us here this afternoon. He is talking about His own dynamic, irresistible grace. There's nothing static about it. It's not a mere mild attitude. It's not the niceness of Jesus. The grace of God is dynamic, irresistible. Grace is defined in verse nine as Christ's power. My grace, my power. The power of the one who multiplied the loaves, the fishes, who spoke, and the dead were raised, and the winds. And waves obeyed. This grace of Jesus Christ is operating in all of all of us in the Canadian Reformed churches, keeping and empowering us all. Grace is Christ's almighty love, almighty love, working to save and sanctify the covenant people of God. Through the sufficiency of this grace, we shall be able to bear any adversity, endure any hostility. Through the sufficiency of this grace, we are able we are able to turn the other cheek, be delivered from self pity, serve God wholeheartedly in weakness. Keeping going when no one, not even your wife or husband, understands. You can be more than conqueror through His great grace. It will more than compensate for the thorn in the flesh by having to depend on divine strength day by day. You will accomplish much more than you ever could. By your own talents, that thorn in the flesh had thankfully blown to pieces your illusions of personal competence. Now let us have a have a close look 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 like how Paul reacts to Christ's answer to him. Paul says in verses nine to ten, "Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness." So that Christ's power rests on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here we can see, rather than bemoan his trying circumstances, Paul will glory in them. Paul says, "Paul says so because he believes that it is in such weakness that he has the opportunity to experience, to experience the power of Christ in his life, as the Lord helps him deal with those weakness. By saying that he delights in in weakness, Paul makes it very clear that he is okay with the thorn because although it." Although it makes him weak, it also makes him strong. 
Today, the power of Christ dwells in us through His grace, and not through our victories. So, if you are angry at God because something had not worked out the way you hoped, the thorn in your flesh are still bothering you. You know what, brothers and sisters, you do not need to change your circumstances. You need to change your heart. You need to find joy. Happiness, contentment in your weakness. You need to trust that God is looking after you. You cannot always choose your circumstances, but you can choose your attitudes. So it is not enough to gain in some understanding why we have been given a thorn in the flesh, and be reconciled to it and learn from it. More than that is required. We must delight in it. We have to rejoice in our infirmities. The Bible teaches us: we rejoice in our sufferings. That's what it says in the book of Romans, chapter five, verse three. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice. And be glad. That's what is said in the book of Matthew, chapter five. So infirmities can be a time for rejoicing, for that can be a time in which to experience the strength Christ gives and the development of the character that pleases God. We can be sure that from now on. Paul delights so much in his weaknesses, he would continue to pray about the thorn in the flesh. But no longer that it might be removed, he would stop praying, "Oh Lord, heal me." That silence was not the silence of unbelief. Of course, Paul believed God could take out the thorn in a moment, but Paul was persuaded that. That was not God's will. So now he prayed that he could achieve all God wanted him to do for the kingdom in the years of service that lay ahead. You ask, when should we cease praying for deliverance? All I can say to that is that we have the same heavenly Father as Paul had. As any of his common children, so the drift of our praying is led by God as we increasingly know and obey the God of the Bible. Yes, brothers and sisters, we may have thorns in this way or another way in our life. We may suffer from those thorns. They are not willed by God, but can be used by Him. God took the took the cross, the ultimate symbol of suffering, suffering and desolation, and turned it into a means of grace. Then will He not also take our sufferings and use them for our benefits? If we have an ailment, a disability, a sorrow, and a thorn in the flesh, God. Use it. God can use it 
and we have all experienced this in our lives. Perhaps, perhaps to make us more compassionate and more understanding others' sorrow. Perhaps to help us reassess the priorities in our lives, or perhaps to make us more appreciative of the blessings we do enjoy. Our suffering can be used to help us and other groan and love. Whatever you may think of it, from God's perspective, it's the ideal, because it is exactly what He knows that you need. And if you will submit to God, if you will stop resisting His will and just trust and obey Him in the midst of that situation, then He will use it to bless you, to bring you to peace, joy, and contentment, and to help you climb that mountain. And through it, you will not only come to know Jesus more deeply. But also, you will become more mature in faith and more like our Master Jesus Christ. That is what we need to be striving for in our weakness. We are striving for God's strength, and that is the challenge for Paul, for you, for me, for all of us here this afternoon. Yes. The thorns of life are many, but the grace of God is sufficient in our weakness. There is a popular poem for those who suffer from weaknesses. I do not know who the author of this poem is. Nevertheless, the right attitude which a Christian should have in all sufferings is expressed vividly in this poem. It goes like this. I ask God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humble to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. I am among men most richly blessed, brothers and sisters. Let's also remember what the Scripture says in the Book of Romans, chapter eight, verse twenty-eight. It says there, "In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose." Amen.